parts of my life, you know, uh, chronologically. So it's just about just going through the going through the old memory bank and just putting up certain situations. But um, uh, I wanted to let people in on sides of my life uh, other than the music, and just to, so people can kind of get a better understanding of of how I got to wherever it is I am, and uh, uh, hopefully, uh, like yourself, hopefully other people will, will enjoy it as well. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, man. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of, uh, like you said, how you got to different places. There's a lot of key people in your life. You know, what I'm saying, um, who were there at, at the right times, the right place. Like, like you meeting Nip. You know, what I'm saying, and battling him, and, and until you both just said, you know what, it's a draw. <laughs> you know, <what> I mean? <laughs> oh. that turned oh, into no. a 30 plus year friendship. Um, you know, so many, so many things have gone down, but. Um, you know, uh, a few days ago, you know, George Floyd uh, lost his life tragically when uh, this slime ball murdered him. Um, uh, as you know, man, how how is the city of Houston taking this? Uh, I know George is, uh, uh, you know, what I'm saying part of the screwed up clique, if I'm not mistaken. Um, what's what's been the uh, reaction in Houston? Yeah, the, the reaction in Houston has been pretty. Uh, people are pretty shook up and devastated because he was a, a, a brother that a lot of people knew and he was a brother who um, had a lot of respect in the city. I actually didn't know that it was him until a friend of mine uh, made me aware of it. I saw the incident but I didn't recognize it as as being you know, I always called him Floyd. I never called him by his first name because I used to play ball with him from time to time. But when I was made aware of who it was, it just uh, doubled the impact for me because um, I, I had no idea that he was even up in uh, Minnesota in the first place. So I, I was shocked to hear who it was. But, yeah, the, the attitude out here has, has been pretty uh, devastated because so many people knew him. This is where he's from. And uh, there haven't been any uh, protests or rallies or anything of that nature. Um, but we don't know what's going to happen moving forward. There has been some um, local news coverage of it. And there have been, I saw a clip of some brothers that were uh, dialoguing with local police here in Houston. And um, one of the uh, more known police officers out here was assuring those brothers that um, things like that, they're working to try to make sure that, that incidents like that don't take place in Houston. And I saw that kind of provide a, a calming effect on those brothers who, who were clearly upset. But, you know, we have to try to figure out a way to, um, to uh, work with law enforcement to try to prevent these situations, and when I, when I say work with them, I mean to to give them an understanding that, and 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 I and I have to just break it down in, in this form to give the, the white officers an understanding that this is not acceptable. You know, this is not something that we can just sit around and allow to take place because it's been open season too long on black yeah. men, and 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 what happened. To Floyd was so unnecessary. It was so blatantly 
uh, intentional and so just sick in nature to where um, something has to be done about this man because they they yeah. they're using that um, uniform and that authority as a license to to blatantly kill black men and, and black women. So yeah, it's it's pretty sad out here, but um, the, the the result is not in yet. Yeah, and, and over the years you've uh, you've spoken about this in your music and and shed light on this this uh, this problem that seems to uh, keep keep happening and occurring. But uh, like you said, maybe maybe something will happen, you know what I'm saying, with the police. I was just talking to Bourne twice yesterday, and uh, he was talking about there needs to be community policing efforts. Um, you know, something needs to be done, I mean, immediately. You know, because we can't, like you said, man, we can't have this happen uh, anymore, you know. Yeah, uh, there uh, needs, needs to be community Policing efforts um, by by qualified individuals who are trained in knowing how to handle situations, how to diffuse situations. Um, but it, there also has to be um, a better system of evaluating potential police officers before they are even allowed to be on the police force, because um, these are individuals who, in a lot of cases, they get they take that job simply because they want to be able to do things like this. It's just you know it's just the, um, the old saying of the Ku Klux Klan just transferring from the white sheets to the to the uniform, the blue uniforms. So, um, of course, policing our community is very important because it would it would consist of more than just the um, the physical act of patrolling and handling situations, but policing our own communities also has to consist of uh, those um, those aspects that deal with uh, the psychological sides of it, that deal with teaching principles and, and, and helping young yeah. men to grow up and, and, and get on the right path so, so they won't get caught up uh, or they'll have an understanding of how to deal with these types of situations uh, moving forward. So, yeah, he's absolutely right. Definitely, definitely. Um, You know what I'm saying? Rest in peace. You know what I'm saying? George Floyd, man, uh, and everybody else who lost their lives at the hands of, um, you know what I'm saying, evil evil crooked police. You know, um, I, I think the whole police organization in this country needs a reboot, complete, uh, they they need to do something to where they they don't let these killers in their in their um, you know what I'm saying in the in the right. fucking police in the first place. Yeah, you, know, it, you it, gotta. But see, the thing is, it's it's unfortunate because even at the top, even above the police themselves, the individuals who are in control of the the, the system. They condone this kind of behavior. The judges are good with it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. The, uh, the, the fraternal order. Are good with it. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a click. So we we have as black people, we make the mistake of continuing to try to fight and wrestle with the system 
to make it work for us when it's been clearly demonstrated for decades and centuries that it was designed to work against us. And that's that's been yeah. our biggest holdup for years and years. It's not about us trying to um, fix a system. It's about us trying to separate from this system before it kills us all and create a, a system of our own that um, doesn't even allow that type of behavior and those type of individuals um, within it. And and that yeah. that's the only way because outside of that, outside of that, anything outside of that is going to continue to, um, we'll continue to see these types of things happen. We've been having these conversations since Trayvon Martin. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So coming up on almost a good, clean decade of these situations where they have started to um, increase in, in, in number, they're starting to increase. But pre-social media, pre-camera phone, we can go all the way back as far as Rodney King. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. if, but but Rodney King comes from an era where those types of things were happening just as frequently, possibly, but there was no one to record it. So, a lot of times the police officers were getting away with it because it would be your word against theirs, and even now they're getting away with it while it's on film. So uh, yeah. we. we we can't continue to think that we're going to fix this thing with a march, that we're going to fix this thing with a rally, you know, because they understand at this point, they're like, okay, we know what they're going to do. They're going to come outside and gather numbers. They're going to bring some signs and chant for a little while, and then it's going to play out. And then in a month or so, two, three weeks or so, we'll kill somebody else, you know, and then it, it the cycle repeats itself. So, as we understand um, the definition of insanity, <laughs> to keep doing the same thing over and expecting a different result, this is the cycle that we are in right now as black people where we continue to go through the same process, the outrage, the incident, the outrage, the protest, the die out, and back to business as usual. But um, somebody's got to break that cycle. We have to break that cycle and we have to break it's going to be broken through um a, a few means a few options of, of of means where it's going to be broken and that's either one for us to just totally separate and remove ourselves from this system or two it's going to result in bloodshed because people are going to start taking um a, a stance of retaliation and not necessarily retaliation on the officers that committed the act it 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 would it's going to be random retaliation and um that's the situation where um uh it would be unfortunate to see uh officers just chilling somewhere and somebody come and start opening fire on them. we've seen that before you know and and what happens after that is that now the police force takes this victim Standpoint now. Now we're victim. Now we're being targeted. No, okay. Well, black men have been targeted, so it can, you yeah. can't be a hypocrite about it. And I'm in no way condoning that, but I'm telling you that that's what's going to start happening at some point if the respect for black life does not 
start to be recognized or start to be carried out in in this country. Absolutely, you know, and, and uh, like you're talking about um, separating from the system, I, I can't blame you at all. You know, um, who would want to stay in a system that has no regard for their life? You know, and uh, it's it, it's it's fucked up, Kay. It is. No doubt. I mean, you, you know? see, and, and these are the things that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad has been teaching us this <laughs> forever, for, for for almost a hundred years, and about separation because these are things that um, were happening back in his time, and these are things that he saw that were going to continue to happen, and they are going to continue to happen. So we have to come out of the spell. We have to break the spell of thinking that, um, unfortunately, thinking that a vote is going to change it. You know, switching one president to the next is going to change it. And uh, standing standing in City Hall and Screaming and chanting is going to change it. None of that is going to change this system. It's not going to change. It, it, there's, a, um, there's a scripture in the Quran that says that God would not change the condition of a people until they first change their own condition. And that's what has to happen first. As long as we allow ourselves to, to wallow in the same cycle of um, abuse, then... Our condition is not going to change. We have to take that initiative to get out of this ourselves because what more do we have to see to be convinced that this this ain't for us? Yeah, that's real talk, man. Absolutely. Um, and, well, hopefully they make a, uh, an example out of this guy. they got to take one of these guys eventually and, and hit him with everything. You know, um, they seem to get slaps on the wrist, and I think that's what uh, these these jerks think. Oh, I'm just going to get a, a, a slap on the wrist or get death duty or uh, something like that. They need to put this guy on death row. But, you know, but we know that's not going to happen. Wishful thinking. That's the unfortunate, yeah. unfortunate part is that we, we don't know what's going to happen. It, and the, the other side to that is, we shouldn't be surprised if nothing happens because, again, we make the mistake of expecting the people who run the system to give justice to those who the system was set up to oppress. So his superiors, you know, I saw I saw the man on TV, I saw the mayor on TV crying and and seemingly to seeming to be pretty shook up about it so we don't know we know we don't know but even if he's convicted and 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 receives a harsh penalty he could get the death penalty he could get life in prison with no possibility he could get the harshest penalty The, the, the 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 reality of it is even outside of that it's going to be something it's going to be another one that comes down the pike it's going to be another one in another state that happens at some point down the line because the next one to be convinced, well, you know, hey, my support system is a little bit connected more than theirs, than theirs may have been in Minnesota. So we can get away with it because my superiors are, are not going to um, bring the hammer down on us. So I don't even think, even though we would love to see justice served in this particular case, I don't even think this isolated 
uh, one isolated case of justice being served, I don't think that that's going to deter any officer who has that in their heart down the line. I guarantee we'll see it again. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, unfortunately, you're right. Um, you know, uh, another thing we're we're in the middle of too is a, a pandemic. You know, you've right. you've talked about this in your rhymes as well. Uh, but did you ever think that the whole world would be on a lockdown? What are your thoughts on this whole COVID nineteen, Kareno? Yeah. Um, once again, I, I, I'm I'm so thankful. <laughs> for the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad because nothing that we see, even though it come it, it halts, it stops us in our tracks because we've never lived through anything like this. But nothing that we see comes as a surprise to us because it's already been taught to us that these types of things would occur, that these types of scenarios would present themselves in the time we're living in, 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 in the last days. So this COVID-19 deal, unfortunately, is just the beginning. See, there'll be more things that come down the pipe because we're in a time right now where uh, we, we're seeing, we're seeing uh, a version of the purge, <laughs> but the purge, is, the purge is being carried out um, through the will of God that he is allowing these types of um, plagues and viruses and all these incidents, even the police brutality, all of these things, while God is not causing them, he's allowing them to happen because we at the end. And this, when the old world is going out, the old world going out, it got, it got to go out with a bang. It has to go out with a bang. And, and so the new world has to come in. And unfortunately, what we're seeing with coronavirus is only um, the, the tip of the iceberg as far as when you look at how it's, even even though the United States and even around the world has crippled everything, but if you look at how the United States is now with the economy being so crippled with all of the, um, the cases of COVID-19 and the, the deaths that have been reported from COVID-19, People are still pretty much, for the most part, the, the majority of the people are still pretty good right now. You know, it's not a majority of the people that are sick and a majority of people that just fall like some big plague that had just wiped out millions and millions at a time. We haven't gotten to that point yet. You know, so while we, while we look at COVID as something that is so uh, terrible and so unprecedented, this is only the beginning. This is only the beginning. And whenever or if ever there's a hold, that's, that's, that's a, a level of control placed on this thing, it's going to be something else to follow it. It's going to be something else to follow it. So we have to be mindful of where we are uh, in Scripture and understand that um, I was listening to uh, uh, Dr. Wesley Muhammad, and he was speaking about COVID-19 and was speaking about how Mr. Farrakhan said that uh, this virus represents what's called in the Bible as pestilence. 
And I looked up the definition of pestilence in the dictionary once I heard them say, I said, let me look up the definition of that word because I, I've, I've heard the word, I've used the word, and I always felt like I had a grasp on what it meant. But when I saw one of the definitions of the word pestilence being a virus, that's one of the definitions of it, and I said, okay, so yeah, so this is the pestilence we read about in Revelation that we read about in the Scriptures but he also went on to say that after pestilence comes famine. And this is also in Scripture. So everything has a domino effect. So when you look at where we are, what COVID has done is shut the whole economy down. And what, But what it also did, it created a situation where people were flooding the grocery stores people were trying to stock up on as much food and as much supplies as they can and the more that this goes on it starts to create a food shortage now when the famine hits famine will be caused by a couple of things it could be caused by um food shortages uh due to people just overdoing it overdoing it overdoing it but mainly it will be caused by just the fact that God would dry up the land. It's just we're at that point where, okay, the land is no longer producing the crops. If the land is no longer producing, then there'll be no food to uh, to harvest. And if there's no food to harvest, there's no food to take to the grocery store, then there's no food in the grocery store, there's no food in the community, thus famine. <laughs> so we're in a dangerous time right now, and we have to be mindful of that and prepare uh, accordingly, and because uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, a, a, a day is gonna come where we're gonna wish for it to be like it is now, <laughs> and it's bad now. So we we got to be on top of things, bro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I'm gonna go to a song. Uh, this one's actually Secret War off Mind Vision. And then uh, I want to come back and talk about this amazing book. Uh, but if you can, intro this uh, Mind Vision for us. Uh, let everybody know about this uh, Secret War song. Yeah, man. Um, Secret War, shout out to the homie Falero for producing the track. And it's just speaking about the world we live in and how there are individuals who sit in the high seats and the seats that we can't see, and they make decisions on our lives, and they and they, they determine um, who they're going to attack, how they're going to attack, but it's called a secret war because the people who are being attacked don't even realize that they're in a fight. Wow, that's deep. We'll be right back with K. Reno. Don't go nowhere. For those who don't know what's being done, it's time for me to tell you exactly what's being done. More importantly, who's the one doing it? And at the same time, tell you a little bit about what they do. And how they try to turn us into that. Let's go, let's go. This is the new normal, everyone's too carnal. When the strong becomes suppressed, effects are too harmful. Who are the life-altering pushers of this type of madness? Black men are glad to put a dress on as a rite of passage. The 
self-degrading path of cash deeply impacts your mental. The consequential aftermath of this ain't accidental. So sisters, we don't even see our own divinity. Defenses against this war on our masculinity. Who benefits from the bending of our tendencies? To dominate any of this enemy's industries It's bigger than money and material favors Black and status in this world Cause he already gave us that He baited you with things to alter your behavior track And make distractions to keep you from claiming greatness back Covered our eyes so with him we won't break our ties And never realize that it's in our hands the power lies They keep it score. No, 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 no. If every sign is they showing the shady, we ignore. That. No, 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 no. The fall of the original is scriptural, so now you see us visible before the world carrying out their rituals. The route consists of sex on many casting couches, Luciferian messages encrypted in their outfits. The contract writers who hire you require this and fly you through the cycle of the Zionist entitlement. Top rabbis and pedophile Jews get their values from the Babylonian Talmud. They don't live by the Torah, they live by these rules. Sex trafficking, raping babies younger than preschool. These principles are used in their control of entertainment and apply to many who have a desire to be famous. So they pay rappers and actors who are chasing after dreams and present you as a girl on the front of a magazine. Not a plan has been employed, even manhood void. So in the eyes of black boys, the male image is destroyed. The casualties in the same war. No, 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 no. Every minute is just feeling like they keep killing us even more. Chemicals like Depo-Provera are used scientifically as a medical weapon to shift our testosterone levels into recession. They lie and twist the truth plus the able of comatosis. And scientific proof is still labeled as homophobic. So now you stand afraid to say what's in you. Cause you know speaking against the gay agenda may offend the paper spenders. The great pretenders push abomination. This song was made to conjure conversation, not for hate and condemnation. When you love people, you handle them with patience. Cause it's not okay to blame the uneducated for Satan's machinations. The scheme against the black family smokers. The hood is broken, hopeless. And self-respect is no longer the focus. But truth can end the hypnosis, though some damage has been done. But how can you fight a war if you don't even know you in one? Casualties in the secret war. Like they keep the score. No, 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 no. Every time they're showing the dating, we ignore. No, 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 no. Yeah, man, that's, this is real as it gets. They stack it up bodies like they score. Uh, and, yeah, that, you always. Find a way to hit someone in the chest with them, with them rhymes, man, and the substance. You know, you always um, put a lot of thought into it and a lot of realism, man. And I appreciate that as a fan 
you know, and as someone who can get something from music, you know, um, could always learn something listening to your music. And this book here, you know what I'm saying, Life Lessons and Lyrics, which is available right now, um, man, you really open up about a lot of different things in your life. You know, you talk about personal things that your fans might not know, um, such as, uh, you know what I'm saying, growing up and, um, you know, your grandma, how kind of a person she was, and, um, you know, the early days in, in your uh, childhood, the, the people around you that helped shape you. Um, you know what I'm saying? When you were growing up, you know what I'm saying, and, um, what were some of the things that you learned from your grandmother, you know what I'm saying, um, and some of the lessons that you apply to yourself today that you learned from her? Man, ju- just the um, the spirit of, of giving, number one, that's like the main thing that always stood out to me was, was just her generosity. Um, she yeah. always was willing to uh, give her last, or and, and just also her ability to to seemingly make something out of nothing. You know, it could it could be times where we didn't really have a lot in the house and just seemed like it wasn't no food in the house and she'd go in there and start putting some stuff together and before you know it you got the coolest meal that you didn't even know like where'd you get that from and like it was in the kitchen the whole time and just you know learning how to be smart and save money and just things of that nature and just uh humility it's, it's just so much you know that i got from her you know in that, in that short time yeah yeah, absolutely. There, there's a, a funny part in the book where you talk about a lady, a stranger, comes to the uh, the door <laughs> and use yeah. the bathroom. And your grandma let yeah. her use the bathroom. You realize that it was a mistake because she stunk the place up. But that just shows, you know what I'm saying, how big of a heart she had, you know, to let a total stranger in, you know, out of the blue. Yeah. You know, not it, many it was, people would do that. It was so... And that was so long ago, but it's crazy that I, because I, I remember it like it was yesterday, <laughs> because I mean, just and like I said in the book, my my only thing was I just still to this day wonder what made her come to our house out of every, you know, because the I, I lived in a big, gigantic apartment complex, you know, it was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of apartments she could have, but for some reason she knocked on our door. And um, it turned into the right door for her, but just the wrong door for us. But um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know that's you know that's how my grandmother was. You know, and, but but you fast forward to 2020, you wouldn't yeah. really see that. You don't. You wouldn't see nothing like that happen in 2020. But no. I mean, he better get the hell away from my house, man. You in the bathroom at my house? You know, you better go to the the gas station or something, you know, so I mean, it just, it's just a different, it was a different time, you know, because truth be told, you have to be careful these days, you know, so, yeah. but uh, at that time, we, we talking late 70s, maybe, maybe early 80s, I might have been 9 or 10 years old, whenever that was, but it was just, just a different time. Well, the reason I bring up that story is because there's another story in the book that relates to that story um, almost perfectly. Uh, later on in life, you were uh, you, you talk about you're eating dinner, and uh, to your fans <laughs> who got the address 
to your house off of the uh, the back of the CD showed up, and you just let him in, start talking to him. <laughs> right. You know really, what I mean? I mean, and, and it's funny. That's I, where I they never put come, that together. Comes from probably. Well, I yeah. never put that together until you said it. But yeah, I mean, you know, probably that's what it was. It's like just part of that um, that whole um, nature to just be like, hey, y'all, y'all come on in, you know. It was like, and and that that was in the mid two thousands, you know. So now you fast yeah. forward into where I'm, I'm a I'm a pretty established artist, and you know, in my thirties, and uh, but it was just like, psh, yeah, y'all come on in, you know. I didn't know these guys from anybody, but it's the same thing. It's like, you know, I I wouldn't do that today, but at that yeah. time, it's like, which wasn't long ago, but it was like, yeah, just that day they. Caught me on the right day, and um, and they were cool, and uh, I don't know, man, it's hard to explain, but I, maybe those principles are, they did come from just my grandmother and my parents and things of that nature, because just, just, it's just how it went down. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that, those are two dope stories, you know, uh, but the two, uh, the two guys that came to your crib, did they, um, you know what I'm saying, um, like where were they from? Like, did they travel from a different state, or were they? No, they they were they were local. They were they were um, from Houston. Oh, okay. Uh, to, to my to my knowledge, to my knowledge, I I, re- I remember that they were. I feel like they were from Houston, and um, you know because uh, they just. I don't know why I used to do that, but uh, but I ran everything from my house. I guess that's why, and I just would put the the, the address, the information on the um, back of the CD because I. It, my place was the office and everything else, so that's what made yeah. me do that. And I don't think they knew that they were coming to my crib. I think they just looked at the, the hey man, let's just go buy the record company because that's just something that people did. You know, I've done it before. I've I've read the back of uh, CD covers and showed up at studios and you know labels and come you know just to see what it's about you know so i think that's more so what it was they were just gonna go by the label and see if i just happened to be there because they were surprised too to say wait wait a minute you know this he, he lives here you know it was, so they 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 were just as shocked as i was but, and it's it's weird that 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 didn't happen as much as it, it as it did it seemed like looking back on it now seemed like that would happen a lot you know it happened here and there but it just wasn't something that was just every day that's how i uh started talking to lv back in the day um you know what i'm saying i got in contact with him and uh he you talk a lot about uh him in the book you know for those listening right. it's uh your father um you know what i'm saying i never from talking to him i never had no idea that this was the dude you did not want to mess with. This is oh, yeah. the guy that 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 would <laughs> whoop your ass if, <laughs> yeah, if uh, you gave him problems. Um, yeah. You know, uh, and there's one part in the book where you talk about it. You know, where you uh, you go for a label deal, and uh, I guess the guy handling the deal um, during the meeting. Uh, was disrespectful towards your father, <laughs> yeah. and he just. Pointed at him and let him know. Talk about that situation, that story, if you don't care. Well, just to give it some backstory, yeah, you know, L.V., um, you know, he grew up in Third Ward, 
just like my mom did. But you know, even to this day, in 2020, you know, if if I'm if I'm in the right place, you riding with LV somewhere. If he sees somebody, if we run into somebody that knew him back in those days. That's the first thing that comes out their mouth. Man, boy, your daddy was just your man. His reputation <laughs> still lingers to this day, you know, and I'm well aware of it because I've, I've been hearing about it all my life and I've seen it all my life. So um, the thing with this particular guy was um, this this label, they, was, they were located in Washington, D.C. So this guy, he flew down here. He came down here by himself. He he didn't know. He had no knowledge of whoever he was or whatever the case may be. And he was mainly talking from a business standpoint, but the way he worded it was real um, disrespectful. You know, it was real arrogant in the way he put it. And, you know, LV ain't the type of guy that's just going to let you slide with that. You know, it, it's a lot of people that... If he had said that to them, they would either let it go, they would brush it off, they would either address it to him in a different way, but LV gonna he gonna bring it right down on that point. And he brought he brought it the way he knew to bring it. And it wasn't even just with some words like, Hey man, listen, um, we can speak to each other better than that and be more it it didn't come like that. It it had to be established immediately that hey man, you are not gonna talk to me like that, and <laughs> and my fingers pointing right at your face, about to poke you in your forehead and let you know to poke through your forehead and let you know, and it made it made the point clear after that. So you know after that the guy he did he never came back down to Houston. All the communication was done with him over the phone after that because he never came back. It was funny yeah. to me. I, w- I was trying to be professional, but trying not to laugh at the same time because I, I knew what was coming. As soon as he said it, I didn't even answer. I didn't say a word. I, I just leaned back like, okay, let's watch the show. That, that's so awesome, though, that your dad was he was in your corner like from the jump. I mean, like uh, uh, when you uh, were in the group Real Chill, um, you know, he, he was flying you guys out to the East Coast to have songs right. mastered and mixed and um, you know what I'm saying? That that's dope as hell, man. Uh, yeah, well, see the thing. The thing is, that, that is that support. he's the he's the kind of dude that if he believes in it, he gonna go all in. And so, so I would say fifty percent of it was just, yeah, this is my son, and I want to support him and what he's trying to do. But the other fifty percent. Was a was from a business point of view, you know. He saw yeah. an opportunity to like, you know, okay, these kids are pretty good. This rap thing is taking off because you got you got to understand, we talking 1986, you know. So rap is still in a in a in a uh, position in time where you still had people saying that it's a fad and it wasn't going to be around in a few years. It was still kind of in limbo. So it was viewed as this this novel little genre that's hot right now, and we're going to see how long we can capitalize on it before it just fades out. So he was looking at it 
from as a business opportunity as well because you know we 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 have seen the LL Cool J's and the Run DMCs and the Fat Boys and these these are the groups that were the main groups at the time and he he saw a chance like if I invest in this it's a chance that we could flip this thing into millions of dollars but the 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 precursor to that was him let me let me hear what y'all got and seeing that that for the time we were pretty good so he got excited about it. Yeah. Oh yeah. He, and he put uh, his resources uh, put his resources into it because, that, like I say, he was he was in the streets heavy. He was hustling, and he had the, the financial resources. So money wasn't an object at the time, which was which was what made it good. But um, and I might have mentioned this in the book is that. But the only problem was that the um, the financial resources that we had at that time they didn't line up with the knowledge of the game that we would get later on. You know, a yeah. lot of time later on by the time we had we understood what to do, the money was gone. <laughs> but when we had the money we didn't understand what to do. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, now the, you also talk about um in the book uh you know, sometimes you have to work a regular job. And there's there's oh, yeah. one line you said that, uh, man, it really uh, is as real as it gets. It said, my ego had to be put in check in order to get a check. <laughs> you know, that's, I mean, that's that's as real as it gets, man. You know, well, the um, thing, thing, go ahead. No, I was just, I was just going to, you know, say, say uh, what, what was it like, you know, um, pursuing your career, and working, uh, uh, you know, what I'm saying a job at the same time. Yeah, it was. It was uh, actually they never happened at the same time because once I uh, got the job, once I started working, um, I kind of just uh, just gave up on the music. Like, okay, well, you know what? That's it. It's you know, no more music for me. So I never really juggled the two. There was never a time where I juggled the two because I was either doing one or the other, um, and I had to basically kind of be brought back into the music just uh, just on the encouragement of one of the homies. But, um, you know, it, it's it's just how it's to teach artists how quickly you can be in one position and then next thing you know, you're in another position. You, 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 you fell off. You're in a lower position because... Not even, I mean, the same year, the same year that I was working on the job, a few months before that, I had just got, I had just done a, did a brand new album, got a big cash advance from doing that album, had big promotion going on, TV, even, I can tell you, it was, um, um, I, I think I had an ad in Murder Dog at that time, because this was during No Mercy. This was the No Mercy album. Oh, that yeah. I had. I came out in 2000, and if I'm not mistaken, yeah, oh, yeah, I, remember that. I, had a murder, I had a Murder Dog ad for that album, you know. Absolutely. And so you talking all just within the same year, and, and I don't remember how much the, um, the full-page ads was in Murder Dog, but, I mean, I, I think we probably spent, two or three grand at that time, you know. Uh, so 
We had money yeah, and resources. Yeah, twenty five hundred, if I remember correctly. Twenty five hundred. Uh, black dog. Twenty five hundred. And and so we were spending money, and and really pushing the product. And and within that same year, <laughs> everything was gone, and I was sitting at a desk working a job. So it's it's like you can you can just see yourself getting ready to take mm-hmm. off. And then you ground it before you even leave the runway. It's just the nature of the business. So, yeah, it was it was it was a, a, a humbling experience. It was a shocking experience, but it was a, it was a valuable experience at the same time because it's part of the lessons. It's part of the lesson. You don't take nothing for granted. You don't assume that I'm gonna be doing this or this is gonna um, benefit me or take me to this particular level. You don't assume nothing. So all those steps that I went through dealing with that, not 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 saying dealing with it because it wasn't nothing terrible. It was it's what it was. But just going through that, yeah. it taught it taught me. You know, it made me better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely life experience for sure. Um, you know. But um, the another thing in the book you talk about was coming up battling. You know. Um, right. We, we've already talked about the uh, the infamous gangster nip battle, the the the, the you know the uh, jukebox coming to, to Sterling High School, and, <laughs> and uh, right. you know I'm saying some classic stuff. But uh, there's a couple other uh, battles that uh, I want to talk about. Now, first, you know what I'm saying there's a cat that uh, you looked up to, T Mac, uh, right. who was actually better than you at one point in time. Um, right. You know, but eventually your skills got so good to where you were better than him, and one day I guess he uh, had a little too much to drink, and he challenged you. Um, you know what I'm saying? Uh was you know, a little disrespectful and whatnot. Um, how did that make you feel to have your mentor, so to speak, or your, your comrade coming up, you know what I'm saying, put you on the spot and challenge you, and then you have to lyrically decimate on him? I mean, how, how well, did that make you? What was that experience like? It's, it, it would be like if you had an older brother who had taught you a lot and helped you get better in whatever field, and, and then all of a sudden when you start to get better, he, it's like he turns on you and, and decides that he's going to show you that you're not better. You know, he want to slap you back down to reality. And that was kind of what that was, that's what was, the feeling was at that time because it it never crossed my mind to ever um, go against this guy, you know, because I, I I had too much respect for him, and even to the point where um, when we battled, um, I can't even honestly say that my skills had passed his. The only thing that that got me. That got me over. The only thing that got me over was the fact that he never, imp- he never wrote new stuff. See, when, when, from the time I met him, he had three or four this, this dope rhymes that he was saying when I first met him initially, and it was like just mind blowing stuff for that time. But as the summer went on, he would still be saying the same stuff. You know, so I think if he would have ever just sat down and just would come up with new material by him being a couple of years older than me, he was probably more advanced and more knowledgeable, more skillful 
um, he had been around better MCs than I had at the time. So, but the, the mistake he made was that he kept saying the same stuff, and, and a lot of people had heard all that stuff before. So, I can't even honestly say <laughs> that I was that I had passed him, but I was better than him because I was. He motivated me to keep writing all summer. By the time the summer was over, man, I had I had notebooks, stuff that I still got to this day of rhyme because I was like, man, I was writing every day. I was writing every single day, you know. So I'm constantly coming. Every time we get into a new cipher anywhere, whether it's in the hood, whether it's at a, at school, whether it's at a, a club or a little, little dance or whatever, I'm bringing new stuff. And, and and that's what it was. My my friends, my own homies that I hung with, when they, when we st- when they was around and we would start rapping, they didn't know what I was gonna say. They didn't know. They they never expected me to say the same thing. So that's what to me that's what gave me the edge over him yeah. that night. I can't say what would have happened if he was steady writing fresh stuff. I I may not have been able to beat him. <laughs> Being honest with you. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's a you know a situation, man, where you you called out and you got a uh, you got to answer the call. Um, but the another battle, uh, this one took place, I believe, in Baltimore. Uh, Willie D and you went for the video shoot um, off his album. You know what I'm saying? Uh, going out like a soldier, um, and I guess some rappers were disrespecting rappers right. from the south. Right. And, and uh, they told you about it. You ran up there, got into a battle with two cats, man. Can you can you tell me about this situation? It's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, at that time, even now a little bit, but not not as much now. But at that time, that was a a constant narrative that rappers in the South uh, didn't have any rap skills. So you, if you fast forward from the real chill days which is around 86, 87, now you fast forward a short five to six years later to 1992. At that time, the Ghetto Boys had already went platinum with Mind Playing Tricks. rap had already released just um, one of the coldest rosters with Nip and Mellow and all these different guys, South Park Coldest Street Military. You had... Um, Rappers from uh, Memphis, you had rappers from Atlanta, you had rappers from uh, um, Louisiana. The South was pretty established as far as having some some credibility. So, for for it to be 1992 when these guys are still putting that label on us, you know, and I think they were in a place in their mind of, uh, of comfort comfort because they didn't know who I was from a hole in the wall. They knew who Willie D was, but Willie D wasn't really, he wouldn't even care about it. He wouldn't worry about that. I don't even know if he heard him because knowing Willie D, like I think I know him, I think if he heard him say that, he would have checked It would have been another Melly Mel situation. Oh, yeah. Oh, he would have definitely been another part. <laughs> he checked him immediately. So I don't think he heard him, but my, my homie Jaime heard him, <laughs> you know, and uh, Jaime sung the hook on the Cleanup Man song, you know. And Jaime's one of the, uh, you know, top producers out here now. You know, he produced for Screwed Up Click and a lot of different people. But at that time, he was still uh, just an artist trying to sing and do his thing. So he ran down the stairs and got me, and I went up there and um, 
I asked them what they said. They repeated it, and I said, "Okay, well we can, we can, we can see if that's true right now." And um, you know, and so you're like, "Which one of us?" I'm like, "No, nah, I didn't even know which one of both of y'all." You know, so that's how it went down. So, you know, I battled, I challenged both of them, battled both of them, beat both of them, and um, you know, by the middle of the battle, they started trying to. Say that no, it's not a battle. We just we just in a cipher. We just having some rap sessions. Like and y'all want to change the the narrative now? The narrative but, all of a sudden. Yeah. But but I think and I hope I hope that after that, from 1992 to now, which was almost 20 years later, I, over 20 years later, I would hope that that day gave them a different. Um, perspective on that moving forward because I, I would hope they would be able to say if they hear one of their friends say that to go well nah that's not true because I ran into a guy and and if it's one <laughs> if it's one of them it's more than one because that's a fact you know you can't you can't see you can't see one roach in your house and think he's the only one in there <laughs> if, if it's one lyricist from the south trust me it's more Oh yeah. yeah, especially Houston, man. Houston's always had real dope lyricists. You and Face and Will are a testimony to that for sure. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, man, you had to show them dudes what was up. Um, I just got a couple more for you because I, I definitely don't want to give people too much away. Again, the book is Life Lessons and Lyrics, My Journey Through uh, the Moments in the Music, available right now. Of course, uh, I, I know you can get it at SouthParkCoalition.web, if I'm not mistaken. Did I get no, that right? Southparkcoalition.net. Dot net. Okay, my uh, bad. And, and that's the uh, um, and that's the only place you can get it. It's not on any other other sites. Amazon. It is. It's straight to the source. So Southparkcoalition.net, and uh, you can get that along with any of the music, any physical copies. That's the best way to do it, I think. To uh, have your fan base come directly to you, um, you know. Uh, rather than uh, put more money in these billionaires' pockets, put it put it all in your own pocket. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, I mean, another they, thing, they put some money in mine, but that that'll be different. But yeah, I, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. And and I've always, you know, I'm, I'm real glad you did this, man. I always thought uh, it would be dope if you did a book because, you know, what I'm saying your career spans, you know, four decades. You're talking about. Uh, you know the mid '80s. Here you are, 35 years later, and the and the, and the dope thing about it is you're not just dropping music um, every so often, like like a Ice T might or some artist, you know, Spice One might. But no, you're dropping numerous projects all the time, and uh, yeah. man, I salute you for that consistency and that longevity, man. That's incredible. I appreciate that. I mean, that that's that's the key to me. Um, you know, I've said in the in several interviews just over the years that um I think part of part of the reason why I've been able to do that or why I do it is because I grew up on, on rappers that I looked up to as my favorite rappers and they would drop consistently then they would just stop. You know, you, you could you could always depend on an album every year. But then yeah. after a while, after three or four albums in, for whatever reason Either the um, the releases would slow down, or they would just stop. And it was so Powered big of a disappointment. 
yeah, it's a disappointment, man, to where it's like, okay, well, you just, you know, you just forgot about us, huh? You know, just, you know, just left us hanging. And and I never wanted to do that to my fan base. I never wanted to do that. I wanted to be where they could always, at the very least, know that they're going to get one within a year. But you may get two and you may get three, but you're going to get at least yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's huge. And you're right, man. I, I remember, like, Run DMC is a perfect example. They dropped, like, four albums in a row and then, boom, nothing, you know, um, for several years. Or some come in the yeah. game, you know. Um, I remember I remember when DJ Quick came in the game. He came in with high C, second to none, AMG. You know, Quick dropped the album right away. Everybody else dropped the album same year. And then after that, Quick was the only one dropping albums. The other guys were just yeah. done. And, 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 and I understand, you know, you have different you have different reasons and people take different paths. You got you got situations where guys blow up real big and they make a lot, a lot of money. Then they, they go on tour, and the tour may last six, seven months to a year. So they're tired when they get back, and, and they, may, they may take a year off. I understand all that. You know, but you got to either let your fans know, hey, I've been on tour, but I'm coming. Then you got other people who just, they just, they relax. You know, they, they get complacent. You know, it's nothing to stop them from continuing to drop music, but they just relax. So there's so many different scenarios. They get lazy. And then you got people who, who their skills fall off. You know, some people yeah. didn't stop dropping. They just, the releases just got weaker and weaker. So there's so many different scenarios but my thing is to always keep the combination uh in my mind a combination of uh the fans you know being dedicated to the fans and giving them what they want keeping myself consistent and keeping my skills up and if if you can do that then that's that's the formula to be able to keep yeah. dropping and hang yeah, around yeah. Definitely. Um, another uh, uh, thing you talk about in the um, the book is uh, you know the legendary DJ Screw. Um, you, you, he was actually a classmate of yours, and then a few years later he he creates his own genre uh, right. of music. And um, what was he like? You know, what I'm saying as a classmate, man. What are some of those earlier years of knowing DJ Screw? Yeah, well, he was a uh, he was a couple of years under me, uh, so he was in the ninth when I was in the, like the eleventh grade. So we never took any classes together. We would just run into each other in the hallways, and we would run into each other during maybe lunch or, you know, just in the in the uh, I don't want to say recess, but just out in the just out in the open part where you just congregating or wherever it was. And um, he gravitated towards me because of the rap, you know, when we was battling and just, just spitting in, in, in the circles, um, he would be one of the cats that's just standing around checking it out. And, um, you know, he introduced himself and just was just telling me, you know, who he was and that he was DJing and not, not, he's in ninth grade now. Keep in mind, he was, you know, he, when he introduced himself to me, when he was in the ninth grade, he introduced himself to me as DJ Screw. <laughs> so he already... Wow was carrying that name, you know, in, in the ninth grade. And then um, I don't know if I don't know if he finished. I don't think Screw finished school. He may have dropped out because I graduated the next year, 
and um, I don't remember if he uh, came back or how much longer he attended school. I don't remember. Um, uh, but the the point was that we stayed cool. Oh, we we was always in contact. Me and Screw was always in contact, and up until I can remember in '92 when I started working on a uh, story from the Black Book, my first solo album. I'm proud. I'm three years out of high school at that time, 1992, and I wanted to sample uh, original concept that um, knowledge me about original concept, but I didn't have a copy of the record, so I called Screw, and he gave me a copy of the record. He gave me a copy of the, um, the sample that I could use. I ended up using for the song, and even in '92. He hadn't started uh, screwed and chop yet, but maybe a year or two later, that's when I started to hear about it and started to see it building up. And um, before you know it, there it was, <laughs> there it was. So you know, I was just, I was just, you know, proud of him because he uh, he created something out of nothing and built something that the world still is familiar with. And uh, gravitating to right now, and I and I, I laugh at people because I tell I said, man, look, man, I, I knew Screw when he was Screw, but before he was Screw, if that makes sense. And uh, and people would uh like uh we, when me and Dopey dropped the COD album in 1990, you could look on the back of the uh the cover, the credits. You could look on the the back of the uh the, the tape. We didn't even have CDs back then. We, you could look on the back of the tape or the back of the vinyl if you find a vinyl. And on our special thanks and all that, you're going to see DJ Screw name on it. This is 1990. So, yeah, yeah wow. you know, that's my brother. We, we, go, we go way, way back, man. And, and you guys got a special bond because you started the South Park Coalition. He started the Screwed Up Click, and both have intertwined. I mean, you guys got members that are members of both. You know, um, of course, Point Blank and, uh, you know what I'm saying, all kinds of different people. Um, rest in peace to 3-2. Uh, you know, right. he was an early uh, member of the South Park Coalition, wasn't he? Or well, he was, he was like, more of, of an affiliate, you know. And, and that, affiliate, we, we, okay. We, 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 laugh, we laugh about that a lot out because 3-2 um, uh, was the only man in Houston that could hold a claim that he was a part of every major clique in Houston that ever came out. <laughs> you know, it's wow. like he was he was a rapper lot. He was with the screwed up clique. He was with the South Park Coalition. He was with he was with every major clique in the city at, at some point in time, man. And uh, and I don't think Black nobody Monk. else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who and who else could could you know could the make convicts. that claim? Yeah, he could have been a ghetto boy too. Right, exactly, and and another thing about three two that um, that he don't get credit for is that he created a lot of that slang that a lot of that Snoop and all those guys and Dre and all those guys used back in on the Chronic album. You know, like um, we don't love them hoes and really though, and I, oh, that's yeah. all three two. That's all three two. And if you if you go back to when three two died, Snoop put out a post either on Twitter or Instagram where he acknowledged that. He acknowledged that I very thing. That. He got We Don't Love Them Hoes and all that from 3-2. Now, 
so so three twos place in in history is so important, you know that. But it gets overlooked because he was, you know, underground artist and he just didn't get his props while he was around. But I was gonna say, yeah, that's why um, you gotta give them your flowers while they're here. Come on now, come uh, on now, absolutely. You know? So yeah, so so screw uh, uh, the screwed up clique and the South Park Coalition. Yeah, we we ran we ran concurrently, and they were coming up right around the peak of our um, popularity. They were just starting to, to come into birth, you know. And then they eventually reached their peak and they eventually passed us and got to the level where they got and uh so it was it was a uh, um you know I'm I'm I can't say that I was proud of those dudes. I'm still proud of them. You know, because yeah. I watched those dudes I watched those dudes from a distance. I watched them grow up. I watched them go through the same lumps, um, and growing pains that we went through. <laughs> you know, so it was it was it was cool to see. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, gonna talk a, a couple more things. You know what I'm saying one negative and one positive. You know what I'm saying? Got to have a balance. The the, the negative situation is uh, altercation you got into, um, where uh, you know things could have got ugly for you, but lucky, luckily you got a good straight hand right, and uh, <laughs> you took care of it. But uh, there was a situation uh, where a lady was having a problem with a, a boyfriend, a you know, father of her baby. And uh, you know, you went out and see what what happened, and uh, you know, uh, end up getting into a fight right there in the street, man. Can you break down what happened? <laughs> <Yeah. that thing? laughs> you know, just incriminating yourself. I'm not DJ Vlad, you know. No, don't, I don't oh, want no one to know I know. <laughs> You know now. <laughs> no, nah, it's it's that's a situation where you young, and you just you know you young and young love, and you think that okay, I'm I'm gonna go defend. This woman's honor, which you know, which is what you're supposed to do, but it just wasn't done the right way, in my opinion. Looking back, it's not that's not the way I would handle it in 2020, you know. Yeah. So it was just a scenario where um, you never, ever, ever go into somebody else's hood <laughs> trying to fix a problem like that. That's just that's just crazy to do. You know, but at that time I didn't think of it like that because my intention was not to go out there and get into an altercation. You know, my intention was to mainly go out there in support, mainly just to, to just take her out there. You know, that was the intention. You know, but of course, you know, you kind of just prepare just in case. But it turned yeah. into what it turned into, and you know, God was with with us and. Uh, we were able to, to, to all drive out the way we drove in <laughs> because, uh, you know, that, that apartment complex that I was in is, is still notorious to this day. So, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I give God credit any time I'm in those tight situations like that, and then you're able to tell the story. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, uh, and then uh, the the – Next thing I wanted to talk about is, uh, you know, uh, Dopey inviting you and Gangster Nip to Moss 45. Um, you know, that was your introduction, um, you know what I'm saying, to the nation. 
What right. was that like for you? You know what I'm saying? At, Break down that experience. At the time, we didn't really understand. We were just going, um, okay, yeah, dope want us to come. Let's just go see what they're talking about. You know, let me see. I've been hearing about this stuff. I've been hearing rappers rap about this stuff. Let me go see. I didn't even I didn't even know we had a location in Houston, you know, that type of thing, you know. Yeah. So you go in and you kinda um on guard in terms of like I'm not you know, you come in with that mentality like I'm not gonna let nobody influence me or brainwash me or twist me up. I'm I'm strong in what I believe in. Let me go in here and just see what they're talking about. But once they start, then once you start hearing it, it's like, whoa, hold on, wait a minute. That makes a lot of sense. Uh-oh, hold up. Hold on now. So, you know, so even after the first couple of visits, you have your mindset like, okay, well, yeah, you know, they they saying some good stuff, but hey, man, I'm who I am and blah, blah, blah. But you find yourself keep going back. <laughs> yeah. So, so a month turns into a year. A year turns into three, four, five years, and next thing you know, twenty, twenty-eight years later, you're still there. <laughs> so, you know, it was a blessing, you know, because everything happened for a reason, and uh, a lot of people came with us, you know, just because based off of me and Nip being who we are in terms of the click, you know, people. We, 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 when we leave, people will follow and people will come. Well, let me go to the mosque and see because if Kay and Nip going, it must be something to it. And a lot of people came and, you know, a lot of people didn't hang around. They didn't stay, you know. And even a lot of people who, who still support the teachings, they don't necessarily, you know, have the consistency of just coming. You know, even though Nip and myself, we never were um, just registered members of the nation but we do our work, we give our support in a different manner. We give our support through our music and through our outside work and, and our connections to uh, the people that are out here in the streets with us. We do it in, in a different kind of way. So, but it doesn't uh, mean that we are, we are, we are just as much as, uh, as believers in the teachings as, as anybody else, in my, in my opinion. You know, we just do it in, in our own way. Yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, it's very, uh, um, you know, what I'm saying interesting. Shout out to Dopey too. Um, oh you know, what I'm saying very, uh, very innovative and um, slept on individual in the in, in the wow. Houston nope. uh, history of hip hop, nope man, because question. he created a lot, um, a lot of the sounds you hear. You know, from over the years, but um, everybody's got to get this book, man. I really encourage it. Like I said, it gives a, a great insight to who you know. What I'm saying, K. Reno, the man behind the music, is um, as well as your family. You know, what I'm saying your friends, and um, you know, I, I got a lot from it, man. Real talk. One of the man, things you, you you really said that stuck with me was, um, you know, you were talking about uh, you doing the music. And uh, you know what you get from it, and how you put it out there, what you want people to take from it, you know what I'm saying how it could shape culture and society um right. and how people can learn from it man and yeah, I commend you on that man because uh 
you know, you get something at the end of the day from music, but if you're able to take a lesson away from it, man, that's double. You know, it's yeah, one I mean, thing to I bob think, your head, but if you can get right, something right. from it too, right. it's 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 a blessing. I, I think that's I think that's the um, that should be the objective coming in. Um, you know, with, with music, the gift the gift to um, to write lyrics. You know, that's a God given gift. That's a God given talent. And I'm just of the belief that any talents that God gives you give you should be used to to further his cause, to, to glorify his cause and to and part of his cause is to uplift the people, to motivate, inspire people, to help people change for the better. So, you know, I've had plenty of moments in my life where I've used my words to in the wrong way, you know, but yeah, I, I like to think by now, fifty albums later, that the, the the scales have tipped more in favor of more positive over negative, and and, oh, and yeah. that's 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 the goal. And I think that's also the key to um, to um, etching yourself, engraving yourself in in history, you know, for the long haul. Because you know what what you do. As far as just the, the the nonsense, you know that that's that's that comes and it goes, man. It's always going to be somebody else to come along and do that. But the things that you say and do that are impactful and that make a difference. That's that's eternal. Those are things that are eternal because they're going to breed after themselves. It reproduces after itself. So if you inspire a rapper. That inspiration you put in that rapper, he'll put it in another one. Then he'll go all the way down the line, another one and another one. So that's the goal. That's what. That's why we do it. That's why we should do it. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Man, it's been real. You know, what I'm saying the book is Life Lessons and Lyrics: My Journey Through the Moments and the Music by K. Reno, South Park Coalition dot net. Before we go though, K. Um, I got the homie Sin from France. He's uh, he's always got uh, a couple dope questions for you. Um, yes, sir. Always Jane, you there, brother. Yes, sir. Hi, hi, Scott. Hi, uh, legendary Navy legend, Kerry. No. <laughs> Man, it's yes, always sir. a pleasure to talk to you, Sam. How you been? Yeah, I'm fine. Always an honor to talk to you too. Yes. Um. Uh, tell us about your your black book on lot of covers from. Stories of the Black Book, Dungeon Zone, No Mercy, Fino Evil, Book Never Seven, Nature, Sans Worlds. You all have the, the Black Book on it. How you got the idea to put him on a lot of covers? I think what it was is that I just I just did it on the COD cover going all the way back to 1990 because I carried it with me everywhere I went. I mean, it didn't matter. It's like if I'm if I'm going somewhere, I got that black book with me. So it just made sense since that was what I was known for and that was like my trademark that, okay, my first ever album cover was COD. Okay, I'm going to stand there and hold my book because this is what got me here. So by the time I got to my first solo, second solo, all the way down, it just became something that um, I did, that I chose to do, and, and, and to let people know that no matter how many albums I release, no matter what's going on, how many years pass by, when you see this book, this folder 
that's my foundation. That's what started it all. So it, it, that just doing that, it keeps me grounded. It keeps me rooted in, in where I came from. Yeah. In fact, you, you wrote all lyrics on the on the black book, never on computer. Or you, you say it again. You wrote all on the book. Uh, you write uh, all your lyrics on the book, never on computer. In fact. No, 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 never on the computer. If, if you go back to oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the beginning oh. days, it wasn't no computers. <laughs> We wasn't even, you know, yeah. uh, Story from Black Book came out in 93, and that's right around when the Internet started to, to jump off. But I didn't become uh, Internet savvy until maybe 1999 is when I started even yeah, using me too. the Internet. Yeah, I was way late on the yeah. Internet. But uh, even to this day, uh, you know, I'm not one of those people who, you know, likes to write my lyrics on the computer. Or, you know, a lot of guys use their phones, and you see them in the booth with the phone in their hand, and that's just that's just not my thing. I, I still believe in the um, just the natural process of actually writing your lyrics on pen and paper. You know, that that's a that's a that's a, a therapeutic exercise. That I think a lot of people are getting away from, but I'm always have it written down. Do you keep the pens? Yeah. Some people, you know, afterwards they'll they'll keep <laughs> the pen as a souvenir. Now I I, I got I, I I got a couple of pens that I have. One of the pens that I have is from when I did uh, the four piece. When I did the four piece project, I got the pen that I used to write that project. When I did the um, the seven albums, I think I went through two or three pens, and I don't know what happened to those. But um, you know, I, I mainly just um, I keep all the lyrics. I got every song I ever wrote still documented, still in this original manuscript, whether it's in pencil or pen. You know, I I have all that, man. So, um, and and that's another reason why I think it's important to actually write because. It's, it's to me it's a better way, a better means of, of, of historical documentation just to have that stuff written down. Something can happen, man. Your phone, you can drop your phone in the toilet or you can lose it or it can break or it can crash or, and you got all your lyrics in that phone. It's, you just lost everything. So, you know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, um, oh, thank you. You got, you got another one before we go? Sean Buff of, oh, yeah, just, uh, Sean Buff of, uh, Alan Bexel, uh, who did the stories from the Black Book cover, said me, uh, uh, everybody he see with a book, uh, as a, uh, every rapper he see as a, who have a book, uh, was very high-minded person in his, in, uh, when he see them. <laughs> Say it again. I didn't yeah. understand. Oh, I, I just say uh, uh, Sean Brock of Panamax uh, Graphics who did uh, your cover, Stories of the Black Book, said me, everybody um, he see who have a, a book with in his hand, uh, uh, every every rapper he, he meets who have a book was very high-minded <laughs> in his uh, in his life and uh, book and uh, work, you know. Can't really understand what the question. Did you did you catch the oh. question, Fred? I think he was talking no, no, about the question. Sean. 
Sean Brotts. He just said yeah, Sean yeah, yeah. Brotts from uh, yeah. Ten Pixel did the album cover, exactly. I believe, yeah. uh, Stories of the right. Black Book. Yeah, right. Stories from the Black Book. Um, yeah. And I missed the last part of that yeah. as well, actually, Sin. You're going to have to <laughs> run that bias one awesome. more time. Um, yeah. Uh, can you tell us about your song, You Created a Monster? On the, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That was, I, I want to touch, <laughs> touch on what you asked me too, but I, I don't get the um, yeah. The cover was done at Pen and Pixel, and um, but to just to give you a quick story on that, um, I can remember when we was uh, sitting down and trying to come up with the concept for it. Um, I just knew I wanted to be out in space, and um, he told a different story about it in, in some interview I read, but. Um, I just remember, like, hey, man, I want to be in space. And he was like, you want to be in space? And I was like, yeah, put me in space. <laughs> you know, that's all I remember. And he found a backdrop, that very backdrop that you see on the cover, and he broke off the little panel, the little thing I was standing in, and made it like a portal, like a little space-traveling portal. And he created that uh, uh, that whole uh, concept, that graphic. But um, the song... Um, Create a monster. Just basically talking about um, the, just the United States and the system and people, how things that they can do and, 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 and things that they can impose that others can impose on you can shape you in such a way that it turns you into a monster. It, it, it makes you become something that you probably shouldn't have become. You know, so that's what that whole uh, concept was about. Then, even though I should as an individual, I always have control over my actions and my emotions. But the reality is that sometimes other people's actions can have an effect on you that can take your life in a direction that might not be the best for you. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, um, can I tell us about You Found Spirits on your album Man Vision? That's a dope right. one, too, on the last question. Can I tell us about this one? Well, that, that was about mainly just um, talking about how if you can have the worst day <laughs> that you ever had and you go to sleep the next morning, you should do your best to accept that, hey, that was yesterday. That's not today. Today is going to be a, a better day. So you rejuvenate and regenerate your spirit and your motivation from day to day and don't bring any of yesterday's garbage into the new day. So that that's what that that's what that song is about. It's saying I wake up every day with a newfound spirit. You know, if you start to dwell on how bad yesterday was, okay now you spilling that over into today. So that's that's what newfound spirit was about. You can't do that. Thank you, Sin. Uh, you know what I'm saying for the uh, questions. And uh, K Reno, thank you uh, for this uh, dope interview. And uh, again, everybody get the book Life Lessons and Lyrics. You know what I'm saying? Uh, SouthParkCoalition.net. You know what I'm saying? Um, before we get out of here, uh, man, I want to give you the floor. Give them your social media, all that stuff, K. Oh yeah, man, definitely. Um... Twitter at the real K Reno, um, you, my YouTube channel, uh, the real K Reno. Y'all subscribe to the channel. 
Um, a lot of the stuff we talk about uh, talked about today is uh, I've, I've covered a little bit of it on my YouTube channel, and um, you can order any uh, CDs and uh, my new book. You can get it from SouthParkCoalition.net, and you can get any of my music on uh, any of the digital sites such as um, iTunes and Amazon and Spotify and all that. So. Daddy, I appreciate y'all, man. I, I thank y'all, man, so much for holding it down the way y'all do, and always uh, being a, uh, a a platform for the for the real under the true underground, man. Y'all y'all are representative of the true underground. Um, never changed, never switched up, never got Hollywood. So you know, I, I always got to let you know that. Man, and, and, and that's why, man, I, I respect, uh, got so much respect and love for you because, man, you never changed, never switched up, and, uh, you know what I'm saying, always kept it K-Reno at all times, man. Keep doing your thing, brother. We always got your back over here, man. Anytime you need us, just let us know. Oh, uh, man, vice versa. Blessings to y'all, man. Peace. Peace. On a quest to prove every legible word is connectable You stepped into a perpetual new data receptacle My letter you so indelible, it's registered edible Can't you then compress the breath from you until your neck is blue Drinks in a mask, so enemies couldn't harass me My patience is fast, infinity couldn't outlast me I write in secrecy at peak speeds My PADs release the lethal measles breed If I don't keep them in a deep freeze Bar trains with unlimited linear range My mind frames a street with 2,021 lanes I'll change into the baby me and still disable these basic and just let us eat to eat. So truthfully, what could you do to me when I'm the super G? Who's at the podium reading the Reaper's eulogy? My microphone is several feet long. My speech tones are so strong that when I speak them, they shatter my own cheekbone. Everyone I hate, it gets conjugated. I'll take your lung out of your complicated. Then stomp it until it's uninflated. Greatly underrated, yet I'm your favorite. I'll play with your brain and make it so basic that one plus one is more complicated. Shake the feet, set my head retreat. Enemies not yet conceived, call them threatening me. Pressing and yelling and questioning me aggressively. Seeking to get the rest of
here in the jet gear. The exosphere exterior threat here. Looking at footage of myself from next year. Next year. Next year. Next year. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? Who is this guy? Who is he? Who is he? Who is he? 